Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Community of Hope. Want to welcome all of our guests. Want to welcome all of our partners. Delighted to have you with us at church. And this is the way we're doing church right now. But because I said that, uh, I want to give you some news that we're excited about. So many of you maybe heard Palm Beach County, uh, the commissioners, our, our, our leaders are in some important conversations about moving our county to phase two. And that's a big move for us. And that could signal a path that would lead us to be able to safely and in the way that we feel confident about it, uh, reopen our church for in-person worship. For those of you who feel comfortable uh, about doing that. Obviously, we're going to still have the online option. Many of us are navigating our own decisions, but we want to create an option for those who want to uh, worship with us uh, in person. So phase two is an important thing. You might remember that in all of our state, 67 counties, 64 of 67 are already in phase two. There are three counties, Dade, Broward, and Pump Beach that are still in phase one. And so this is an important moment for us, and I just wanted to update you about that. Let's be in prayer for our leaders as they are making this important decision. If they move it to phase two, we will be updating you. We see a path in that that would lead us to the place where we could reopen for in-person worship. We're pumped about it, and we are, trust me, we're as eager to do it as you are. So uh, stay tuned about that. But hey, this is my space to say uh, right now, grab your app, grab your Bible, grab your journal. We're going to dig right in. we got a lot of content I want to move us through. We are in week three, I believe, of a really important series in our church. We're calling the series simply Five Things, and we're talking about the five most often mentioned things people point to whenever they're asked what it is that grows their faith in God. And so this is an important conversation because I think this is something that if you're a seasoned vet around church, this is really good for you to know and you can reflect and remember about how these different things we're talking about have influenced your own life. And if you're a newbie, if this is all new to you, maybe you tripped onto our site, maybe you have a friend who said, hey, I'm, I'm doing this thing, I'm, I'm streaming right now watching uh, church and this is all brand new and we love Uh, new folks in our church around that category uh, that fit into that category. This is a great thing to know. Maybe you can begin to navigate some of these things in your life. So we're talking about the five things that grow faith. And this is the idea. Whenever we take a poll across party lines, age levels, these are the five most important things people often point to to help them grow in their faith. Now, here's the deal. In week one, we started the series by, frankly, giving you a working definition of when we talk about faith, what faith actually is. And if you, if you missed that talk, let me just, let me catch you up in just a simple sentence or two. When we talk about faith, we think faith means trust. And so we, comparatively speaking, when we're talking about growing in our faith in God, this is what we're saying. That means that we're growing in our trust of God. And that's the definition that we're working from uh, right now. And here's my belief that runs alongside of that. Try this on for size. I think that if all of us had perfect faith in God, 
And all of us really believed with this confidence that we had this, you know, really strong confidence that God is for us, not against us, right? That he loves us unconditionally, that there isn't anything you and I could ever do to lessen his love or to lessen his sheer delight in who you are as a human being. If all of us sort of had had that kind of belief system operating, here's what I think. I believe that it would change every single thing about the way you live and orient your life. I think you would look at the good things in your life and you, you would develop a deeper sense of gratitude, a deeper sense of awe and respect that there was this God who bestows good things on his children. And that's what scripture writers tell us, that God bestows good things on his children. I even think this, though. I think that you would look at the difficult places of your life and it would give you a deeper context. And you would look at that with the idea that even when these deeper things or these difficult things happen, and right now, right in our world, there's a lot of difficult stuff going on. A lot of us, even in our personal lives, we're all fighting a battle somewhere, right? And I think we would look at that and go, you know, in a deeper sense of faith, in a deeper sense of trust, we would believe more strongly that we have this God who promises to restore and redeem what has been lost and what has been stolen. And so it would literally change everything. And here's why I believe this to be true. Because I've run into people that have this kind of belief, that have this kind of faith. And I got to just tell you, they're some of the most engaging, most ennobling, most compelling people I've ever met. And if you're like me, sometimes you'll run into people like that who have that kind of beautiful faith. And oftentimes when I leave a table where I've been sitting with those people or I leave a conversation I've had with those people, it's not uncommon for me to just usher or or utter a little prayer to the Lord and say, God, I want faith like that. Lord, I I want faith like that. I I was thinking recently, sometimes when we look out in our world, and we see people that are that are ahead of us in age. Sometimes, and I just want to speak honestly here, I see sometimes a, a cynicism. I see sometimes a sarcasm, a callousness about living life so long that, 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 they, that they just become hard. But every now and again, I run into these other people who run counter to that. I mean, they're out ahead of us in age, and, and they're not getting sarcastic. Um, they're, they're getting more filled with hope. Uh, they're not getting uh, hard. They're, their hearts are, are open and pliable and, and welcoming, and their faith is deepening. And so here's what I want to tell you. That is totally possible for every one of us. I mean, if some of us right now, you're, you're, you're in a place in your life, and you're going, you know, Pastor Dale, right now, I mean, I don't... I don't like what I represent. I don't like who I am. That can change. And your faith can grow. And you can learn to trust again. And you can step back from some of these, you know, compelling forces that are going on in our culture. I'm going to talk about in just a moment. And and you can be filled with the peace and the presence of the living God. Paul one time was talking about Christ followers who, who live in such a way, this is one of my favorite verses where he, where he talks about that there are some, not all, there are some who, who live their faith in kind of a way that they, they spread the fragrance of the knowledge of the Son of God everywhere they go. I mean, you leave a place, it just, <laughs> just smells better. 
because Jesus is with you. And, and, and I really think this is possible. And so this is why that I think this is so important. Now, in week one, just to say real quickly, uh, I named for you what I think the, the, the number one thing we often hear when we ask people, what is it that has helped you really grow in your trust, grow in your faith? And here's what we think people have said more, more times than any other. They've said it's practical teaching. I mean, if you go back to even to the early church, you go to the book of Acts, you go to Acts chapter, 20, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Uh, there's a verse in there where Luke writes about the early church. And here's what he says about the early church. When they came together, when people were coming together as a church, it says they began to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They began to, to look toward other people a little bit ahead of them. And they began to receive teaching. They were eager to learn how to apply their faith. And that's the key thing about practical teaching. It's the, it's the application of what you're learning. If you're with us last week, we looked at Matthew chapter 5, which is, uh, the, uh, uh, it is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' very first public sermon. And in, in verse 24 of chapter 7 uh, in the book of Matthew, he says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, this is what he says at the end of the sermon, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, they're like a wise person who's built their house upon a rock. So, see, here's the thing. The goal of practical teaching is that we grow in wisdom. It's we grow in applicational truth. We begin to apply what we've learned. And when we apply it, our faith bumps up. Now, it's interesting uh, when James, who's the what I say, the half-brother of Jesus, was writing a book that bears his name. Uh, he says this in James chapter 1, verse 22. He, he repeats really the same thing. Listen to what he says. He says, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. And then a little later in verse 25, he goes on. He says, listen, but whoever it is who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. All right, that's what applicational teaching offers, the law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but, but rather doing it. There it is. They'll be blessed in what they do. And here's what I know about you, and here's what I know about me. We'd, we'd love to be blessed in what we do. We'd love to be able to have this faith, to have this knowledge, to have this understanding have this ability to navigate whatever life is throwing our, our direction and have this trust in God. And so what we're doing right now in this series is we're talking about these things. So today what I want to do in the remainder of my time, I want to give you the second one. So last week we talked about uh, practical teaching. You know what the second thing we often hear uh, is when we talk to people about what is it that helps you grow in your faith? It's this. Ready? Here it is. It's relationships. God uses relationships with other people to help me hear his voice and understand his purposes for my life. Let me just say that again, if you want to write it down. God uses my relationships with other people to help me hear his voice and understand his purposes for my life. And so when we talk about teaching, we're not just talking about teaching, we're talking about practical teaching. And when we're talking about relationships, we're not just talking about relationships. Here's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about what I would say uh, is providential relationships. And when I use the word providential, for those of you who might want to know, I, 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 I'm really thinking of these seemingly accidental, unplanned relationships that have a tremendous way 
of impacting our lives. I think sometimes when we, we get older, if we were given this privilege and we were able to, you know, put on a set of glasses where we could see back in our lives so beautifully, I, I really think we would see this tapestry. I believe this with all my heart where God is creating opportunities for us to connect with people that move us in a relationship with, with him because God is passionate about you knowing him and having a relationship with him. I, I know in our own tradition, uh, we sometimes talk about our Wesleyan tradition. John Wesley was a founder of, of uh, you know, this movement, the Wesleyan movement, would talk about this idea of what uh, I sometimes mention referred to as provenient grace, that God, God is at work in our lives in before we even really have a conscious awareness or knowledge of who he is. And a lot of times, here's the thing, I think, it just looks random. It looks happenstance. It looks, it, 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 it looks you know, like there, there's not a rhyme or reason to it. The question becomes, really, is there a rhyme or reason to it? it or or is, is God at work in some ways that we can't see and we can't understand. And if we were given the privilege to look back across our lives, we'd see this tapestry of where the Holy Spirit is creating opportunities for us, not forcing his will upon us, but just giving us opportunities to respond, to understand, to know, and to grow in our trust. And so really I want to talk about this concept of providential relationships. And I was thinking about this this week, you know, to be clear, I wrote this down. I have never met anyone in my public ministry who said anything like this to me. Whoever said, you know, Pastor Dale, I have spent my whole life in isolation. And suddenly just one day my faith in God came together and I began to grow exponentially. And now I have this great joy, this great freedom. I have this com complete understanding of God's will and his direction with my life. I'm completely filled with peace and totally and completely uh, in, in love with God simply because I've lived a life of seclusion and mistrust from other people. I've never heard that. But I have heard scores of people who said, you know, it's weird. I mean, I, I accepted this new job and I met this person who was in the carol next to me. You know, I, I went to college and I had a roommate and they told me about God in a way that I'd never heard before. I had this neighbor that used to just serve the, the neighborhood in such a way that was compelling to me. And when I began to ask into that, they began to point me toward a relationship with God. And all of this looks random. All of this looks happenstance. The question is, is it? And so I believe with all of my heart that God uses providential relationships with other people to help me hear his voice and understand his purposes for my life. And you know why I know this is true? This is weird. Go with me on this. Because I know that the opposite of this is true. What? What are we talking about? So in a weird way, I know this is true because I believe if you live long enough, all of us can look in the rearview mirrors of our lives and we can identify someone we wish we never met. And all of us have this experience. Uh, I often hear this in my line of work. It goes something like this. Hey, really, my life was, Pastor Day, was sailing along pretty well and then I met him. 
Or they'll say, hey, I, I was going to this thing for work and I sat next to her. Or when I went to college, I made these new friends and incrementally over time, I began to abandon all of the values and all of the convictions I was raised with. And now I've reached this place where I no longer believe in God and no longer trust that God loves me unconditionally. Can I be clear? I have those conversations a lot. And because I know that's true, not only because of what I hear, I know that's true because I, like you, can look in my rearview mirror and there are situations, there are moments, there are circumstances where I say, I wish I never met him. I wish I never knew her. I wish I never, I wish I never. We all have that. And some of that, what I want to tell everybody here is what you already know. Some of this in life, right? It's, it's unavoidable. But there is something we can do on the other side. You know, I was you know, kind of thinking about this, I thought of the verse I want to show you. It's a little observation that Paul makes in a book that bears, uh, not bears his name, but bears his handwriting, bears his print. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, Paul says simply this, bad company corrupts good morals. Now, some of us, you live long enough, you go, Isn't that, wasn't that a rock band named Bad Company? That's not what we're talking about. Bad company corrupts good morals. And so part of me, what I want to remind you, right, um, is that this is true. And, 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 and it's a part of, it needs to be a part of this message because it, it's, it's a part of how, in a weird way and in a broken way, this is how the world works. I have a new neighbor just moved in uh, next door to us, and we're getting to know them, a delightful family. And uh, one day I was talking to my new neighbor, Andre, uh, in, in, in his backyard, and and Andre was talking about his son, and uh, he's in college, a wonderful young man, and and uh, he made this observation. We were just we were just talking about the things that are going on right now in our world, and uh, Andre just offered this as an observation, and and I was moved by it, and I connected with it immediately. He said, "I've often told my son this." He said, uh, "He said to his son, he said, you don't have to tell me anything about what's going on in your head.'" You don't have to tell me anything about the direction of your life. He said, your friends and the people you bring into my house are going to tell me every single thing I need to know. It's true. It's true. And so there's a strong warning, I think, really in this uh, story, and all of us have this experience. I, I was thinking about when I was younger, some of you guys maybe remember th- something like this. I remember when I was growing up, I- I've already shared, you know, I'm in the middle of three sons. Uh, I remember a time my mom had a big old Ford Falcon station wagon, and she'd pile the, my brothers and I in that station wagon and all of our, our friends and haul us all over wherever she was going. You know, she'd take us where we wanted to go, and occasionally she'd take us where she wanted to go. And uh, occasionally she would go to this store. I'm going to show you a picture of it. She would go to a store. I don't think it's around anymore, but the store's name was, it was called Cloth World. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, but here's what I want to tell you. As a pastor, two degrees, I don't believe in the concept and the theology of purgatory, but if purgatory did exist, it's Cloth World. And my, my mom would take us to this store and she would go into the store. She'd disappear for days. Like we, like she wouldn't come out. We, we didn't know like somebody kidnapped her. She'd be in there like for hours. 
and, and we'd be in the car. One time, my mom took, uh, stopped by uh, Purgatory, I mean, Cloth World, and, and she went in the store, and I was with my best friend. And I'm going to call my best friend for the purposes of this message because it's online. I'm going to call him Steve. That wasn't his name, but we're going to protect the guilty. And, and, and Steve came up with this idea after my mom had been there. I think we were on our third hour. Mom was in, in Cloth World. And he came up with this great idea. He said, you know what would be fun to do? I said, what? He said, let's, let's get out of your mom's Ford Falcon station wagon and let's, let's walk up to the store so that you know, nobody sees us by the car. And then let's walk back to the car and let's pretend we're breaking into the car. And because I was an intelligent 13-year-old, I thought, that's a fantastic idea. And so we, we got out of the car, we shut the door, we just kind of anonymously walked up to the stores and, you know, let, waited a couple of moments. And then we walked back over, I'll never forget this, to my mom's Ford Falcon station wagon. And we began to work on the outside of it, even though the car doors were unlocked. We pretended they were locked and we pretended like we were breaking into the car. And it was an awesome idea. We were laughing, we were carrying on until I looked behind us and there were police cars. And then I looked on the other side of us and there was a line of all these guys who had come out from Publix and, and they worked at Publix and they were standing there. They had their green aprons on and they were on that side of the car making sure we wouldn't run away. And the next thing, you know, I'm sitting in the back of a police car. And then five hours later, when my mom finally came out of Cloth World and she noticed, here's my friend Steve and me in the back of the car and, and like, we almost got arrested. And I'll never forget this. When we got home, we had a little family powwow. You probably have family powwows. You know, we had a powwow. And my, my, my dad told me that Steve, he had news for me. And Steve was no longer my friend. And that Steve was no longer welcome in our home. And so when, when I think about this kind of idea, here's, here's what I know. All of us... All of us have experiences like this. Here's my point. My point is simply this. When it comes to our faith, our faith can be destroyed or strengthened by the relationships we have. Choose well. You know, last week when I shared um, about this exercise for me, you're on the receiving end of an exercise that, you know, the communicators here take very seriously. I know that Pastor Trevor takes this very seriously. I take this very seriously. All the communicators take this seriously in this moment, and we have our disciplines that bring us to a space like this. And I shared a little behind the curtain last week, if you remember, and I think I can show this picture again, that oftentimes when I'm preparing a message, I use some phrases to help guide me toward really what it is I want to say and what I want, what it is I want you to remember. And I'll use a phrase, you know, one phrase is like, yes, but how? And, and that's a phrase that I've developed over the years that, that just helps me keep in alignment with, I don't want, you know, uh, to be the kind of communicator that when I'm through, you go, you know, you go, first of all, I don't, I don't even care what you said. It doesn't even make any sense to me. That's not, that's not my goal. And, 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 and my goal isn't even simply that you would agree with me, that you would go, man, I agree with that. Here's my goal. My, my goal is that you agree and that I give you something that you can do to actually put what we're talking about into practice. Why? Because remember, that's the first thing, practical teaching, that I can put into practice. 
That's what Jesus wants us to do. Well, I, I was thinking about this, and, and I, I really think um, here's what I would invite us to put into practice when it comes to providential re- relationships and the relationships you have in your life right now. Here, here's what I would tell you to do. Leverage them. Leverage the faith-filled relationships that you have that will increase your faith and increase your trust. Lean into them. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I don't know if we can show this. I, I can't ever talk about my leveraging relationships that I can't talk about my covenant group. I, I think we might have a picture of it that we could go to. Uh, this is a group that's taken, I think, at uh, either one of our daughter's weddings. And, uh, you know, it looks like we're a bunch of executives there. We're never, ever that dressed up. And it looks like we've all got a spray on tan. That's not true either. But, um, but these, these guys, um, this fall represents my 30th year walking into accountability uh, with these guys. Uh, I think I have another picture. This was, uh, we were, uh, had a privilege a couple years ago uh, to speak at a national gathering uh, of uh, of Christian pastors and leaders, where we were had the opportunity to share testimony about the the value of of our covenant group after thirty years, uh, and this is a powerful thing. But I but I also think of this. I I re, I remember a, a a pastor in my life, Pastor Tom, who had a significant impact upon my life just because he loved me and cared for me, created a space where where I could ask him anything, I could tell him anything. I remember before that, a, a guy that taught a, a Bible class I was in, and I just remember him, as, uh, I just remember his first name. His name was Mr. Fred. And I remember Mr. Fred, just he, he had a walk with Christ that, that was compelling to me as a young teenager. And I had a cynical edge as a teenager. I was very skeptical. But this guy lived his life in such an authentic, faith-filled way. It, 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 I think it planted a seed that came to grow in my life later on. I mean, the question I would ask you is this. What relationships do you have right now in your life where faith is alive that you could leverage those relationships to increase your faith? What would that look like to you? There's another verse of scripture uh, that I think is really important. Uh, and I want to leave it with you. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, walk with the wise and become wise. Now, the rest of it says this, for a companion of fools suffers harm. We've already talked about that. But look at the first part. Walk with the wise and become wise. If I if I could dream a dream for everybody listening to my words right now, I would say that I I would dream that each of you right now would do some self-evaluation about the relationships in your life and you would leverage the faith-filled relationships you have in a way that would grow your faith and grow their faith. If you don't have any, that you would say, my gosh, I've got to I've got to pull some other relationships into my life that, that leverage my faith to grow. Because here's what I think, and this is what I believe. 
I, I believe all across life, you're going to be forced to work or to go to school or to live next door or to have some connection with, with people that don't share your value system, that the people that could bring serious harm to your faith. And I'm not even saying that you would back away from every one of those relationships. We're to live our lives as a witness. I'm saying that there are probably some of those relationships you should back away from. And I also believe that, you know, um, that some unhealthy relationships are just unavoidable. But what are you grow, doing to grow the healthy relationships? What does that look like? This past week, we uh, interviewed a group of ladies in our church that um, I think really point to this example and the value over time that this brings to our lives. And we've, we've crafted a video around it. Take a look at this. For about three years now, I've been fighting a bad hip and found out that the ball of my joint and the socket were both disintegrating. Being myself, thinking, I'm independent, I can take care of this, never even thought about asking for any help. I thought, I need a ride home and a ride back to the hospital. That's it. Well, all of a sudden, all these girls in my Bible study, okay, Karen, we know you're going in for surgery. What can we do? And I'm like, oh, well, well, we're bringing you food. We're going to stay the night. We're going to do that. It was amazing. We're family. We can almost tell because we know each other so well when one of us needs something, even if we don't know that we need it. I've worked in the medical field for 43 years, and in the last couple years I've gone into the billing side where I have no patient contact, and I really, really miss that. So um, it was like, oh, I get to help somebody. I get to do something for somebody. So it was really, it was cool. I was so, so grateful. I don't know what I would have done without them. If I'd have been on my own, I would have been in big trouble. These are my sisters that God gave me. I have family. I have three brothers, three sisters, but these girls are my soul sisters. This is my family, and I know that I can count on them, and I've never had um, so much love given to me. Knowing that you're part of a group, and you, you can call on that group, and you can't even explain that feeling. It's just a great feeling. It's um, a constant in our lives. There is never a day where I do not have contact with one of the girls, if not all of them. I don't imagine, I cannot even imagine not being part of a small group um, without that support system. You know, it's just phenomenal. So a simple question, right? Who doesn't want that? Who among us doesn't need that? I mean, this is a time right now in our church when we're focusing on this, and we're not letting uh, the pandemic stall us from, you know, underscoring the value of connecting with other people in groups. And right now, many of us are stepping into that, even in a digital, virtual format, and we want to commend that to you. I mean, don't don't let that current reality stall you in your life from building and leveraging the relationships that you have in your circle that are faith-filled relationships in a way that grow your faith. It's the number two thing we often hear when we ask about this. 
And I got to tell you, all my conversation so often is about people asking me, you know, how can I grow my faith? We're telling you. Run like your pants are on fire to get to a place where you can receive practical teaching you can put in practice. Run like your pants are on fire to a place where you can leverage your relationships in such a way that they can grow your faith. This can happen even to you. Well, I'm so pumped about what we're doing in this series, and the other three are just going to be as equally compelling, and I can't wait to share them with you, but you got to tune in next week to learn. So before we go, can I just pray for you? And let me just say, if you're wanting to connect with God in a more formal way, you're wanting to connect with our church in a more authentic way, either one of those ideas, hey, text uh, the word next to the number on the screen, uh, and, and we'll connect with you and we'll help you do that. But let me pray for you. God of grace and God of mercy, would you continue to give us, Lord, the courage not to just in this space be people who listen to cool ideas, maybe even agree with those ideas, but never put into practice, Lord. Give us the courage to this. This is how you have changed human history across centuries through practical teaching through providential relationships. God, give us the courage to build into that, to leverage into that, to lean into that, as though it matters, because, oh God, it does. This we pray in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Go in his peace, go in his love. We'll be with you next weekend. God bless.